You'll get your Bible and turn to Psalms 15, please. This is the character, this is the characteristics of the godly. It is the worthy worshiper, the one that God loves. In Psalms 15, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Now that means thy dwelling place, the same place that God dwells. Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? That's what we call a Hebraism. It's a repetition. It's a reinforcement of the first statement. Who shall dwell in your tabernacle? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Those are interchangeable terms. But that's the way the Hebrews usually said it. They reinforced that, and that's a question. And then he emphasizes, He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doth these things shall never be moved. These particular points that's in this we have discussed in our lesson. The psalmist begins by asking this question, who is it that is pleasing in the eyes and in the presence of the, of the Lord? And it implies that there are certain requirements that is essential and that's necessary and must be met. And I think that's a challenge for us if we're going to be pleasing to the Lord. And it may be that we take for granted a lot of time thinking that we are maybe God's pet or we accept it because we are of a traditional mind. And in our own mind, we have certain standards that if we meet what we think God wants us to meet, we think we're have met God's requirements, and sometimes we could be very wrong. In this study, we wish to uh, uh, emphasize some of these points that's in this scripture, in this Psalms uh, 15. The first one is, He that walketh uprightly. This means that those who do not bend from God's will as they walk. Now, the reason why God has given us a will and instruction is because that's the nature of God. And that's the character of God. A lot of time we get and latch in on these things because of a commandment and we're so rigid in keeping a certain commandment until we become guilty if we don't keep it. But we need to understand that God's instructions is to help us to be like he is and to be his, his uh, uh, emulate his character. In uh, those who walk with God, we can just look back in Genesis, and you've heard me mention it, we've studied it a lot of times, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and God uh, didn't, uh, he's one of the ones that was taken, he was translated, like Elijah, and he didn't see death. He walked with God 300 years. And Job was a God 
uh, I mean, was a man who was upright in all his ways, and he feared God. In fact, I think uh, Job is just before Psalm, so let's, let's, I think it'll help us just to read that first uh, verse. Uh, to me, it, uh, it, it's an impression. When I look at that and I read that first verse of, of uh, Job, when it says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and this man was perfect. He was upright. This is this point here that we mentioned, upright. And, uh, and the one that feared God, he respected God. And he eschewed evil, or he turned away from evil. And uh, that is a great compliment. Now, today we have that privilege as a, as a one who's following God and one who has accepted Christ as our Savior, accepted God as having come in the flesh and given himself to us, his nature to us, we then, in First John, the first chapter of his, his epistle, he said in the seventh verse there, he said, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of his Son cleanses us from all righteousness. Now, this indicates that that's the only way we can be upright. We can't be upright on our own. He's taught us with the history of humanity that it's just not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. And he gave us a, 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 the devil-proof uh, way when he came down and promised to give us, said, you can't walk alone. You can't walk by yourself. I'm going to give you myself. And that's the reason he put Christ in us. And when we walk in him by faith, we don't no longer depend on ourselves to walk uprightly because we know how it's done. We know if we're acquainted with his word that we're going to be close to it, but we're just still negligent creatures. And when we get that, the real answer to walking uprightly is to accept Christ as our Savior and as our Lord and as our helper and one who promised to never leave us and he'll be with us and he gives us of his spirit. And he says, I'll help you. Now, if we ever think we can do it by ourselves and not have his help, we're going to fall from grace. You can forfeit that close walk. And I don't know how many times I've done that. I'd hate to try to count up the times that I, I thought I had it made, and I thought I knew enough, and I thought I, I had it down pat. And that's just when you fall. That old pride. And that old thing, yourself, they can do it. And I just wonder what Christ, how disappointed Christ is in us when we think we can do it all ourselves and don't need him. The second point in this great psalm is that a person has to work at it. Now, you've heard it over and you've heard me say that you can't work out your salvation just in and of yourself. That If you could earn salvation, you'd have it made. You can't earn it, but you've got to work. You've got to work, and you've got to work righteousness because we're of his nature, and he's holy, and he, he expects us to walk and to work like he did. Now, you know, Noah was one of the first ones that gives us an example of this great thing. When, when man had become so wicked, and now you know we're living in a time, and it's, it's a time that's just about as wicked as it was when Noah was here. 
And he said when he does, he's going to come back. And it may, it may be many, many years before he comes back. But he could come back any time if he's going to wait till it gets as wicked as it was in, in Noah's day. He said they were marrying, giving in marriage, and doing all this stuff. They're doing that today. And uh, But there was somebody, there was somebody that recognized God, and that somebody was Noah. And he had, he had, you know, he, he had some sons, and, and uh, they had their wives. And they all really worked righteousness. And, and it took them a long time to build that ark. But they believed God enough that they knew what was going to happen. A lot of people making rem ridiculous remarks, but it happened. Now, you know, uh, in Romans, the, sixth, the first chapter, in verse 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul came to a wicked world just like Noah's. And I'll tell you that first and second chapter of, uh, of Romans, it is, it is filled with a description of wicked people that have fallen beneath the, the dignity of God's creation. And they had even disbelieved that God, and they were made in his image, and they knew that they were doing that, that was wrong. And uh, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it carries with the message. It's the, it is the uh, good tidings of God. It is the power to change man. That the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes it, and to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is revealed, look at that point, the righteousness of God. As it is written in Habakkuk 2 and 2, the righteous shall live by faith. And so we're going to live because we're going to, we're going to work at it. We're going to work at living righteously. You know, when Jesus came to be baptized, old John said, I don't need to be baptizing you. You don't need to be baptized. You don't have any sin. And he said, allow it to be so. For uh, he wanted to fulfill all righteousness. He wanted to do that, which he knew that every living creature that ever came into this earth would need to be baptized in order to be united with him and could work righteousness because they were made righteous by his grace. The third point, the second point is, uh, well, the, uh, you have he that walketh uprightly, and then he that, that worketh righteously, and then he that speaketh truth in the heart. That is the third point. And uh, there's two major principles in existence. It's just the truth, and, and then there's error. There's truth, and there's error. You know, God is the is is truth. In Him is life, and uh, uh, in the devil is just the opposite. Now, I don't understand about the two forces, all that there is to know about it. But I I understand enough that I know that it's evil and it's good. It's truth and it's lies. And John eight and thirty two, Jesus said. <clears throat> You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So there's truth and there's error. And then in John 14 and 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no man comes to God except through him. And you know when he talked to that woman at the well? He said, 
And she said, well, you tell me whether it's in Jerusalem. I want to know the truth. Is it in Jerusalem or is it in these mountains out here? Our fathers say it's in these mountains out here uh, where you can worship God too. And he said, he said, God is a spirit. And he that worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And it's not in Jerusalem. It's not in these mountains. It's the truth and accepting God and where he dwells. Now the fourth point, the fourth point in this psalm is that he's telling you what to do uprightly and righteous and, and to walk in truth. But then he, 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 has a, a, he has some negatives here not to do. And one of it is here is that you don't backbite. You know, the tongue must be controlled for good. I want you just to flip over in your New Testament to the third chapter of James. And, and this within itself is a, is a sermon. And uh, we could spend the entire time on the third chapter here. Uh, but you know, this, and it's so evil. The tongue is so evil. Uh, look at the second verse. It says, For in many things we all offend. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. He said, really, the, the truth lies in that if you can control your tongue, you can keep on the right path. You can be upright, you can be righteous, you can be true in heart, and you can help people. And then he uses his illustration. He said, behold, the horse of the... the uh, we put the bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about the whole body also. And the whole of the ships, he said, it has a little uh, helm at the back that you control it, even in fierce winds that will turn it about. And it, and it can just go anywhere that the person who's handling that little rudder decides that you can go. He said, that's exactly where the tongue is. He said, it's a small member. It boasts a great thing. And how great a, a matter... Uh, this uh, fire kindler. And you know, it's just, it's just pathetic how much uh, trouble can be caused by the tongue. Look at the sixth verse. He called it a fire. He called it a world of iniquity. And uh, look what it does. It defiles the body. It sets on fire the whole uh, course of nature. That just means it can just get everybody involved. And then it can just go to hell. The whole bunch that follows the uh, if you wrong kind of gossip, we'll all end up in hell. That's what he's talking about. And he said, you know, it's a strange thing. You can control all kinds of beasts and serpents and in the sea, and, and, and mankind can tame every living creature. But you know, there's one thing about it you can't control the tongue. It's an unruly evil. Now you add that, and it's full of deadly poison. You add that with that sixth verse. It says, it's a fire. It's a world of iniquity among our members and it's an unruly evil and it's full of deadly poison now I'll tell you when we're caring about anything like that that's that potential is in it we ought to be very careful especially when we can say things about God's servants and about one another that can harm and he says it's just a shame because we bless God with that tongue and we curse men with that tongue. And he said, that's just ought not to be. Because we're made in the similitude of God. And he said, 
Out of the same mouth should not come blessing and cursing. A fountain doesn't send forth sweet water and bitter. No more than a, than a tree uh, produces one, one fruit and then another. And he said, now this is a solution of it. And back to our outline, the tongue. There are many, many sins. There are many sins. But the tongue can cause more trouble. And we just said there's two, there's two things here we need to think about. There's a good force and the one before, the truth. There's the truth and there's the error. And when you can have a wonderful tongue and you can use it to bless and you can use it to lie, you're not on the, the route of the truth. So you've slipped over and gotten that other one. And here's the way to do it. Here's the way to tell. Look at that latter part of that third chapter. Who is wise and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works and meekness of wisdom. You know, that's the way to do it if you're wise. But on the other hand, if you're following not the truth but lies, you have bitter envy and jealous and strife, and you glory not, and you lie not against the truth. You're not to. He said, this wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Now, he's just determining on the point that we made before about truth in the heart and life in the heart. And then he says, where there is ending strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. You know, I have been in every congregation I have ever worked in. I have never failed to see the devil working. The first one that I ever worked in, I was just a young man out of college, and the church was split. The elders had resigned. And I didn't want to have anything to do with it. In fact, I saw the professors at the college, and I said, I don't want to go out where there's not elders. They said, well, Gaines, you can't do it any harm. But it's gone to the devil. It's as black as it can be. And if you have anything to offer, just go out there and try to help those people. Well, I learned a lot of lessons. And I learned that some of this that I just got through was the worst thing about it, that people had had a little trouble and, and they were using the tongue to hurt one another. And I, I was... I certainly wasn't anything but a fighter. I was a peacemaker. And thank God that, that uh, people opened their eyes and uh, they responded to truth. And that 17th verse has been my power that I've worked and helped people and who are in trouble this way. Is the wisdom is from above is first pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's easy to be entreated, it's full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So that that's the way you get on target. That's the way you settle feuds. Is to be what that seventeenth verse says. And if you're any other place than that, you're in the wrong place. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by the person who makes peace. And when you look back to that, uh, uh, that, those points, you live uprightly, you work righteousness, and you speak the truth. And then you, 
You can't backbite. You know, you just can't do it. Now, I want you to turn with this. I want you to turn back with Romans again, because in the Romans, the first and second chapter, we just can't leave it without touching a base here, because I want you to get the terrible picture that Jesus came to in, in when he came into this old world. He came into a Roman uh, government ruled by the Romans, ruled by the, the Roman rulers, and finally they just destroyed Jerusalem and 70 A.D. But I want you to look at that, uh, I don't want to start that 30th verse, I want you to start back at uh, uh, the 26th verse. For God, this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into which is against nature, which is being done today. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, buried in their lust one to another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was appropriate. That meat means which is appropriate. And we have people doing that today, and trying to uh, cause the lawmakers to make it legal. And even if they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, see, we're talking about worthy worshipers. People who live uprightly and righteous and, and like the truth and won't be downgrading with their tongues and their body that God's creation. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness and fornication and wickedness and covetousness and maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without uh, understanding, covenant breakers without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God. Now listen, here's what man did. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things were worthy of death, not only did the same thing, but they just had pleasure in doing them. And there's no, hardly a talk radio that you can't turn on a lot of times, and people say, are you trying, what are you trying to do? Keep me from doing what I want to do? And they, and all of our, even the TV shows, have people talking about their problems and their kind of sins. It's like this, and they magnify it and glorify it. We're living in, in that kind of age. And God doesn't love it, and it isn't a worthy, it isn't a worshiper. Now, point number five. God doesn't like he that speaks evil of his, na of his neighbor, people close to us. You know, Christians must build up and not destroy. Now, it's easy for us to get down on these people I've just been talking about, and the homosexuals, and the people, the lesbians, and, and others, <coughs> people that are doing uh, wrongful thing, and where we just don't do anything but just, just see the, the bad things. But you know, it's temptation. The temptation is to jump to conclusion because the world is chaotic and in a bad condition. We think everybody's that way and that we don't have a chance and, 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 and nobody's going to live right. Don't get in that rut. God's power and God's beauty is seeing people who are sold on righteousness and worship him and know that God's going to handle it. 
You know, when you speak evil, it just adds wood to the fire. You know, in, in, in Proverbs 26 and 30, he said, when you quit gossiping, well, then the trouble will cease. And that's so true. We wonder why everything's in a big mess a lot of times. It's because of the evil things we say about people and some of the negative things that we've said. We need to build up. You know, in Luke, the 10th chapter, in verses 29 through 37, I just want us to turn over there and read that because that's, that's really important, and then we'll, we'll be through here in just a minute. But I want us to get a look at this. And Luke is, is, is one of the great writers to give us uh, the insight to humanity. And you know what this is. This is the Good Samaritan. And, uh, and the lawyer was talking. Look at the 29th verse. In Luke, the 10th chapter, this lawyer was trying to justify himself and uh, uh, doing everything to... He was trying to meet all these things on his own and say, now, what's the best commandment? What's the greatest commandment? I want to do all these things. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and, and who's my neighbor? He said, well, you love God for your heart, soul, and mind. Your neighbor, you said, well, he said, who's my neighbor then? I want to do that. And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and stripped him, uh, which was stripped, uh, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, having left him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. The Levite, and when he was at that place, he came and looked on and passed by on the other side. And the Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, poured oil and, and wine, uh, and, and no doubt eased his pain and cleaned it up and set him on his beast and he brought him to an inn and, and he took care of him. He took care of him. How wonderful. And on the morrow when he departed, he took two pence. He took, he took two days' wages out and gave them to the host and said unto him, You take care of him. And when I come again, I'll, I'll repay thee if it's any more than what it was. And now, of these three, he said to this smart fellow, he said, what do you think was his neighbor that fell among the thieves? And he said, well, he that showed mercy. Doesn't take a very smart person to see that, does it? Jesus' words have been ringing ever since he said it. We need to do the same thing. That's a challenge. I don't know whether we do it every time somebody needs help or not. Now, we may think we're taking advantage of us. I don't know. That's just open end. You have to say that. The, thought, the last point is, he that honoreth the God-fearing. And this is in the Psalms 15. It's a point there. You can get it. You know, God wants his children to respect people who fear God and to see beauty in the people's lives. I want you to, if you will, turn to another psalm in our closing. Uh, and that's the first psalm. And it shows the beauty of this whole psalm here that we've been studying uh, as we...
Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the ways of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scorner. Saying the same thing this uh, 15th Psalm says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he's so skilled in it till he's not going to violate it. It's the nature of God. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Who wouldn't choose that type of life? The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Just as sure as it can be. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows. And if he knows the way of the righteous, the way of the ungodly shall perish. If we know him, we're identified with him. You know, we need to have respect for people who are trying to do just what we're we, they worship right and do right. In the summary of uh, a summary of this, the worshiper, the worthy worshiper, uh, who shall abide with God? Why, well, first Psalm said it would. Who would? When you walk uprightly, work righteousness, you speak the truth, not always backbiting, and you are a good neighbor. And uh, the lesson is yours. If you have need for prayer to get closer to God, come as we stand together and sing.